Hello and welcome to the Morning Person podcast. I'm Leslie Stevens and today I'm speaking with Priya Parker, whose best-selling book, The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters, completely changed the way that I think about gathering. Literally everything from professional meetings and group projects in grad school to coffee with friends. Trained in the field of conflict resolution and a graduate of MIT and the Harvard Kennedy School, Priya now works with activists, companies, and elected officials to create transformative, meaningful gatherings. Priya, welcome to the Morning Person podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to jump right into things because you have clearly dedicated your life to reimagining how we spend our time together. Where did this interest in gathering come from and have you always had it? You know, it's kind of funny, like, what is nature and what is nurture? So I'll, I'll maybe I'll answer that in a couple of different ways. I think if you talk to my friends, my childhood friends, um, about, like, how did I used to like to play? I was always the one choreographing dances in my parents' basement, uh, you know, to, like, Paula Abdul. <laughs> and I played softball, fast pitch softball, and I loved team sports and you know, kind of later, later in maybe not high school, but college, I was always the one, if there's a group together, like creating a, you know, asking a meaningful question, you know, even if it like almost as a joke, I mean, I was being made fun of, <laughs> but I was, and it, it, there's some element I was like always, um, always attracted to and interested in group life. And particularly, I think group life where there's some amount of accessible rules and some amount of sort of playful competition and some amount of um, like sort of like a motivating force for a group to, to spend time in kind of whether as fun or meaningful way as possible. Um, and at a very like simple level, life is short and human beings are endlessly creative. Um, mm -hmm. And I've always just been fascinating and fascinated in how as a, as a child, like how people play, how they compete. Um, and I would say on the, on the kind of the other side, the family of origin side, I I'm biracial, I'm bicultural. Um, we moved a lot as a child. Um, and I was off in, I'm an only child and they had joint custody. So I'd go back and forth between these two homes, very different homes. Kind of one was Indian and English and Buddhist and vegetarian and progressive and uh as they say all the things <laughs> and then my and then uh, my father and stepmother um were and are white american evangelical evangelical christian conservative republican mm -hmm. um and i think from a from a young age being part of two homes that were so radically different i became really aware that there's many ways to be there's many mm -hmm. ways to gather. There's many ways to start dinner. There's many ways to spend a Saturday. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, I think I learned that and saw that from a very young age because in my most intimate, in my most intimate communities, um, they were just so different from one another. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that even within that explanation, you brought up team sports and school and sort of these playdates when you were younger and spending a Saturday, because these are all these gatherings that also have a specific purpose to them, which is sort of how you introduce your book. You start out by talking about purpose, but so often gatherings feel kind of purposeless or lackluster. I mean, I can think of a million dinner parties that I've gone to where I've just felt like, eh, like that was fine. 
Why do you think that so many gatherings that we attend are so lackluster? You know, when I, so I, I years ago, I started to both be frustrated by many of the gatherings that I would go to and not just social, like conferences, classrooms, you know, like the difference between some teachers and how it just feel like electric in there and others. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, oh my God, get me out of here for subjects that I think were like really interesting. Um, (laughs) I, some, I I wanted to, you know, I'm trained as a conflict resolution facilitator, but for groups. Mm -hmm. So my, my background, my training, my craft is group dynamics. And I could so often see like at a dinner party, like it's not rocket science, but if you just tweaked mm-hmm. it in this one way, this mm-hmm. would be a completely different evening, right? Or like at a wedding, if like they just shifted in this one way, these same people would have a completely yeah. different experience. Mm-hmm. And I... Um, and I, th- and I started to research, I wrote this book, The Art of Gathering in 2018, but I started researching it in like 2012. And I wanted to do two things. One is I wanted to bring the facilitator's lens to our our group life, um, not just the chef's lens or not just the kind of, you know, um, like florist lens. We've outsourced so much of our wisdom and knowledge and assumptions of what makes gatherings ticks to people who are experts in the shaping of things. And I knew from a facilitator's perspective of how I was trained, like there are ways to shape people, there's ways to Mm -hmm. shape perception. There's, and I think, um, as I started to research this book, so many of our, what I came to find, so many of our gatherings are lackluster in part because we are on autopilot and we're not actually pausing to ask like, well, why am I actually doing this? We're, we're we're inheriting Mm -hmm. old obligations or repeating forms that no longer work or serve us. Um, and I think the second is, and it's it's perhaps a counterintuitive idea, which is as we've globalized, as we've over, and I'm talking about decades and, you know, 50 years, as we've integrated the workforce, a good thing, as we've become more diverse, a good thing, we have, our gatherings have become kind of vague and diluted <laughs> in part because we're not wanting to offend one another mm-hmm. or assume yeah. a specific way of being assume that you have to eat dinner like this, or assume mm-hmm. that a meeting has to run like this or assume that you have to wed in a certain way. And so in mm-hmm. part, because we, ha- we've realized in a lot of shared spaces that the old ways don't work because there's a supremacy within them and people may not share that same context with the assumptions we have, we, we are, we're like still at that. It's like there, you have to like build this bridge between these two assumptions and we're still at the needing to invent new ways of being together. And when we don't invent new ways of being together, you're kind of in this vague, no man's land, no person's Mm -hmm. land. Yes, completely. And one of the anecdotes that really stuck out to me in this book was when you're talking about your friend who was planning a dinner party and sort of felt this instinct to just invite everybody without asking this question, okay, what what am I trying to create out of this dinner party? And that really struck me because I am such a more the merrier person. I am really sensitive to feeling excluded. And so I never want anybody to feel that way. So it's always been my instinct to say, everybody can come to this. And one of the ideas that you wrote about your book that I read this phrase and I immediately went, that makes no sense to me. And then of course you explain it is this idea of generous exclusion and that exclusion can sometimes be kinder than inclusion. Can you explain to our listeners what you mean by that? So, I mean, we can stick to the example of a dinner party. And mm-hmm. um, 
this also, I should say, this isn't for every single gathering of your life. Mm-hmm. Most of us are, ho- are guests actually much more often than we're hosts. And so, um, uh, you know, take frankly, all of this conversation with a grain of salt and l- use what's useful to you. But with a dinner party, like, I don't know. I don't know if you are like me, but many of us have fr- like different friends that we see at different moments of time. But basically, like when a, a group that kind of sees each other a lot, you kind of in part to not invite the same people in part to not exclude people. You kind of have the same night over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you have beautiful, magical evenings with your friends and you are good, like I'm so happy for you. And that is so keep rare. doing what you're doing. Like, keep yes. doing what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. Yeah, it, it's working. Like come sit mm-hmm. by me. But mm-hmm. if you are, um, you know, just kind of feel like you've, you and your friends who you might love have kind of mm-hmm. gotten to a rut. One of the most like meaning lies in specificity. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's a theme night, whether that is thinking about, um, you know, having a little bit of frisson, like having actually different people with maybe a shared interest, like you it's kind of, kind of like a joke. It's like family behaves better when there's other people around. <laughs> and, and so I say all this to say generous authority, or maybe even just stepping back even further. The first step to more meaningful gatherings is to not skip the purpose is to not ask, mm-hmm. well, why do I want to have this dinner party? What is mm-hmm. the purpose of what, why am I bringing people together? Is it to, is it that my partner and I are in a, a bit of a rut and like we've moved to this new city and we actually haven't gotten people together. Is it because, uh, for the last four years, I haven't been able to get people together for my birthday. And I really want to have to mark this age. It feels particularly tender to me. So when we don't ask what the purpose is, we skip too quickly to assuming we have to invite everybody. And um, in a lot of cases, like the more is not the merrier. The more is often the hairier, right? Or the scarier Mm -hmm. in part, because like when I say generous exclusion, you're doing a few things. One is when you actually know what your purpose is. I want to, I'm making this up. I want to show off my uh, like tomato garden. I want, mm-hmm. like, I finally planted tomatoes. I've gone with like the garden, you know, pandemic <laughs> trends. And I want to, I want to make something out of tomatoes. Just the specificity of saying, I want to harvest and honor this thing that I have spent the last 12 months figuring out mm-hmm. gives everybody some amount of focus. And so then you can mm-hmm. ask, okay, who might appreciate this? Right. Or um, who and there may be an underlying purpose around there. Who haven't I seen in some time or um, who has been kind of like down on their luck? And I want to give them a night of joy. And like you ask and, and you have you serve a three course meal of tomatoes. Right. You, you may be listening. Your listeners may be listening to me like that sounds terrible. But <laughs> nights can just sort of blend into each other night after night after mm-hmm. night. And part of an orientation to a specific purpose or need or unique moment is it allows everybody a way of like knowing how to participate. Um, mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say is even in the work context, like you may be thinking, well, actually we should be including all sorts of people or like, I, this doesn't really happen to me, but usually we back into the purpose by looking around and seeing who's invited, right? You get a calendar hold mm-hmm. on your, and your work email and it's like, okay, there's an hour call here. What is this thing? And you, and you enter the zoom or you enter the Skype or whatever it is. And you look around and you're like, 
this is, a, I thought this was a brainstorming meeting. Like why mm-hmm. is legal here? Right. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they mm-hmm. shut down everything. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so part of what happens in a meeting is, or any group is every guest is kind of sorting out how they can behave, mm-hmm. how they can mm-hmm. be, what part of themselves yeah. can they show? Who do they feel safe mm-hmm. around? Mm-hmm. And part of having a purpose clarifying it through humor and story and however you want to do it is allowing guests to decide if they want to attend and really engage. And Mm -hmm. so often we under host our guests and kind of leave them out to dry. And so a Mm -hmm. huge part of this is actually just thinking ahead of time, why am I doing this? Who is invited and what am I asking of them? Mm -hmm. And even this concept that you just mentioned of under hosting and you brought up this concept of generous authority And I wrote about your book a few weeks ago when I read it and loved it. And I mentioned this line in it talking about being a chill host. And some of my readers at my newsletter kind of bristled at the idea of, oh, you shouldn't be a chill host thinking, oh, I, but I want to enjoy my own party. And it seems like in your book, those two things are not mutually exclusive, but as the host, you have to take on a certain amount of responsibility to make the evening or the event or the meeting enjoyable or productive to the people who you're inviting to it. You know, you, you, you write a book at a certain moment when a word means a certain thing and Mm -hmm. (laughs) four years later. um, So I quoted a very specific essay, which is, which Mm -hmm. I think the name of the essay is chill is a garbage value. And it's mm-hmm. by a, a writer named, I'm forgetting her first name. Her last name is Massey. And, and in that essay, she basically says, when she says, when she talks, when she is talking about chill, what she's actually talking about is not being relaxed. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's being chill in the sense of like not caring. Yes. You know, it's all good. Like, I don't care. You know, those like, don't make a big deal. Don't make a fuss. Mm-hmm. And, and p- part of what I'm saying is not don't be relaxed. You're like, be, be deeply relaxed, have a deep spirit of, 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 mm-hmm. um, of, of generosity, but what generous authority is, and is in a sense is, is it's you, it's first of all, seeing that hosts have power in these temporary alternative moments of a gathering that you're actually asking people to spend their time Mm. in a specific way. And you, if you're going to do that, you need to host them and what that, and generous authority has three parts to it. One, well, overall generous authority is using your power as a host for the good of the group. Mm. And there's three parts of generous authority. First is to protect your guests from each other, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like whether they're yes. getting cornered, you know, cornered in a conversation you don't want to have, or you know, mm-hmm. we think like, oh, all gatherings are awesome. There's a lot of gatherings where you can actually leave feeling incredibly excluded or used yeah. or incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, how do you actually set this up in a way that everybody feels incredibly safe to participate? And that's mm-hmm. racially, that's gender-wise, that's status, that's all of the mm-hmm. different things that come up in group life. Second, how do you connect your guests to each other? And third, how do you uh, temporarily equalize them? And I'll give a simple mm-hmm. example. I was at a, at a at a launch for a for a creative project a few months ago. Creative project that over thirty people worked on, mm-hmm. and, uh, very complex. And it was the launch of this project, and the people people were invited to go to this launch party. Been a really tough slog. If any of you have worked on creative projects through the pandemic, it's super complex. These are remote teams. They haven't all met mm-hmm. each other, and there was like this. They were they're really proud of it, and we all show up, and it's you know it's. It's lovely to be in person. It's an out, it's outdoor. People feel mm-hmm. you know, safe and half an hour goes by an hour goes by and, um, and, and everyone's mingling. And then at some point you can kind of feel this moment. It's like, 
okay, like, is somebody going to say something, right? It's like, is, is there going to be what I call a moment of focus? Who's in charge here? Who's in charge here? It's like, why, why are we here, mm-hmm. right? Beyond them, it's mm-hmm. like, why are we here? And a mm-hmm. moment of focus is literally like 30 seconds. It's 30 seconds of like mm. digging your glass welcoming people mm-hmm. saying like we are so excited to have you here what a ride this has been and can you and, mm-hmm. and you remember over the last two years when so and so had to ship the microphone to such and such that so and so had to go and wipe everything down whatever it is i'm making it up right tell the story yeah. of like what has this group been through why are we here mm-hmm. and like a little bit of orientation of like so we're here to eat drink and be merry and say we did it right? 30 mm-hmm. seconds and it completely shifts the room. And I'm not totally sure where it comes from this sense of like, I don't want to impose or like, mm-hmm. no, 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 this, I want this to be a relaxed occasion. Mm-hmm. We are confusing being relaxed. Like it was a very relaxed evening, right? People are jo- mm-hmm. enjoying themselves. They're laughing, they're talking, but there's a strange confusion that like imposition, like saying something is imposition. And what I'm saying is saying something is meaning making. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and, and it should be the right person and they should think about it in advance. And if it's not, if, if, if somebody doesn't feel like they're good at making remarks, there's a thousand creative ways to honor people, but we are, mm-hmm. we are in, in trying to not impose, we are under hosting and we are under meaning. Yeah. And it mm. doesn't have to take forever, but, but this sense of like, I don't want to make people to do things they don't want to do. We end up actually doing nothing. And that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Wow. I love that. Just the intentionality and the meaning making moment and just those 30 seconds can make all the difference in an evening. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is my readers know this, but I've been going through a separation from my husband. And about two months ago, I moved out of our house into a studio apartment. And you can't see it from the screen here, but my kitchen is about four inches that way. And my bedroom's about six inches that way. So I have this tiny space, but I just moved from this home where, you know, I had a dining room and a kitchen and a living room and loved having people over. I've been here for two months and I haven't had anybody over yet because I feel like this is this tiny space that isn't conducive to gathering. Do you have any advice for hosting in a space that is this small and intimate? Maybe help me get over my, whatever my preconceived notions are. First of all, congratulations on making life affirming and bold choices for yourself. (laughs) I would deeply have a gathering. And if you want to, Mm -hmm. you can even connect it to like, um, and you need to find the right word and feel what really feels true to you, but it's like, whether it's a, um, I mean, I'm going to riff here a little bit, but the Mm -hmm. separation, you know, party, Mm -hmm. but, but in a sense that might involve Mm -hmm. the other unit or -hmm. whether it's a, like Virginia Woolf, like a room of one's own party, Mm -hmm. right? It's like true. Like it's like naming what is the present value that you're stepping into. Like you could even call it, or I'm riffing here, right? But it's like yes. a room of one's, a room of her own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an evening with Leslie, and <laughs> and you true and you truly come in, and people come in, and like the whole is an embodied experience. It's in your home, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you could at different moments of the night. It depends on again. This is what I'm talking about. Purpose. Who would you want to be there? Mm-hmm. Which part of your mm-hmm. old life do you actually truly mm-hmm. want to bring with you? Separations are complicated, not just for the couple, but for the community. Who, you know, can we go to this? You know, how do we go to this? Mm-hmm. How do we? And so who from your old life, quote, unquote, shared life, do you want to mm-hmm. invite? And then give them the opportunity to bow out or say, say yes. Right? Mm-hmm. People say, like, you're a conflict resolution facilitator. What does this have to do with gathering? Gathering is line defining. 
Gathering mm-hmm. is conflict inducing, right? Do we go? Is that person mm-hmm. going to, is their partner going to be mad if we go? Who cares? She is our friend, mm-hmm. right? It forces people to make decisions and be intentional about how they want to spend their time. Who from your mm-hmm. new life? I'm using old and new in quotes. Who, yes, who from yes. your new life do you want to invite more deeply in? Do you want it to have a small and intimate? Should the ratios matter to the house or do you want it to feel the density? Is it mm-hmm. actually that you want to have a full house? Like one of my favorite songs right now is by Highway Women and it's called A Crowded Table. Yes. And yes. do you know it? Mm-hmm. I do love it. And, yes. and it's like a room of one's own with a crowded table. And, you know, or maybe it's just a crowded mm-hmm. table or maybe it's a crowded room of one's own, right? And mm-hmm. the whole point is density. And you invite people to mm-hmm. come in. Again, it depends on what you want to do, but you invite people to come in and like, Share stories of, bring one story of a night of a moment you made a bold choice mm-hmm. to like leave something that no longer served you. And so first mm-hmm. is like, think about what the evening is literally then who cares what the room is, but actually when you own it, people are so excited to come and bless mm-hmm. you in the room with their presence. Mm-hmm. The second, very simply, and this comes from, um, mm-hmm. there's a memory expert in the art of gathering who, um, I quote, and he basically says, people remember conversations better when they sit in different rooms. Yes. So you, I remember you writing that. Right? And so I like, literally looked into the book right now. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. And um, Mm -hmm. if you, and so, but, but in your case, you could also, I mean, there's so many ways to do this with such humor, like Mm -hmm. 6 PM we'll be on the rug. Yes. 45 PM we'll be, we'll meet in the Northwest corner in the sunlit corner. 723 we'll move Mm -hmm. over and sit on the chair. Right. Mm -hmm. And and just Mm -hmm. play with it and allow people to, to share moments Mm -hmm. that like, in which they change their space or they change their room or they change their relationship and like what it was like for them. And mm-hmm. it will be one of the most meaningful, memorable moments. And it also like, I was going to say pop the seal. <laughs> it, it'll just like allow you to like shift physically, mm-hmm. psychologically, emotionally to bring people into your space mm-hmm. and I mean, to what I, own the size of your, of your yeah. new life. What I love most about your response, and I feel like you're going to make me cry, is that so much of what I'm going through right now feels so highly stigmatized. And I was really proud of the house that I built. I spent a long time making it. I thought I'd be there forever. And I'm in this place that feels so temporary. In a lot of ways, I'm embarrassed about it. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm proud of what I'm doing, but at the end of the day, I feel like I can't invite people in here. And what I love about your response is embracing those exact things that I'm kind of embarrassed about it. Like, it's tiny. It's one room. That's my bed in the middle of the room. And just making that a part of it and making the part of like, even what I call the night, a room of one's own. I just, I think that that is so brilliant. And I'm already thinking about my guest list and how I'm going to do this event. So you've already turned this somehow from something that I was kind of dreading and wanted to do into something that's beautiful. Can I say one more thing yes. about this? Please. So a couple yes. of things like when something is this tender, also the invitation mm-hmm. re- and the form of it really matters. Yeah. The invitation, like you will probably for something this tender, and this is the intentionality I'm talking about. Actually, this is true for every gathering, but it's like Mm -hmm. you making you drafting that list is Mm -hmm. also at some level, like a cleansing ritual for you, which is like, who do Mm -hmm. I really feel safe at this moment Mm -hmm. entering this room and like to Mm -hmm. check that edge. And it's like, if that, I don't really know. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe that's in six months. Mm -hmm. And and maybe, and so you like go through like in your mind, like who are the people who 
I, who I would want in this moment to come in. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you invite all of them together and you share the story of what this is, or maybe you text each one or send a voice memo to each one and be like, Hey, I'm feeling a little like I would, I'm having, I'm going to have this evening. And I, the reason I want to invite you is because I really love the courageous decisions you make in your life. And this Mm. is the first time I'm having people over. And I was wondering if you might be able to come, you know, there's like Mm. so many different ways of like every gathering is literally invented Mm -hmm. and we make meaning and we Mm -hmm. invite others. You are shifting and shaping their perception of what it looks like to make a bold decision of what Mm -hmm. it looks like to welcome people into your life as it is not how you think they think it should be. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and when I say gathering is contagious, like you have this evening, people experience it. They may not be going through a separation in the same way, but they're probably separating from something in their life and they Mm -hmm. probably feel Mm -hmm. two ways about it. And you pro- mm-hmm. they'll probably take the little, you know, pocket of Leslie with them and think slightly differently about how they might focus on that part of their life. And so gathering is culture making, right? Mm-hmm. And what we yes. decide, what we inherit, it's like the beginning of our conversation, how we wed or how we die or how we mourn, how we bless, what we bless, what we reveal. Mm-hmm. Th- that actually, like sociologically becomes what we value. And mm-hmm. when we wake up to that, we can start to shape and gather around what we value now, not what mm-hmm. people may have valued in other moments of time and in other walks of life. Yes. Oh, Priya, I feel so moved from this conversation. I'm so deeply grateful to have had this time to speak with you. I truly can't tell you how much I enjoyed your book. And to everybody who's listening, you can buy Priya's book, and I recommend that you do. Um, it's called The Art of Gathering. And also, I believe that you have this new workbook on your website called The New Rules of Gathering Guide, which is available for free at priyaparker.com, which is a great resource for anyone planning an event. Priya, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. This was just a wonderful way for me to spend a morning. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing and taking the risk to share. You know, obviously, you've already shared this with your community, but to kind of walk through these tender moments. Um, I think gathering, often people feel like, oh, like I have to be this really big thing or I have to have a fancy house or I have to like mm-hmm. have these all these degrees to gather. It's like, no, 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 no. This is a democratic skill. Anyone can do yeah. it. It's a learnable practice. And particularly when you gather on an actual need in your mm-hmm. life, you're inviting people in to be real. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and the new rules of gathering guide, it's literally like, we're so proud of it. It's just six simple pages of mm-hmm. walking you through what I just did with you of walking mm-hmm. you through, like, what is a need in your life? What would that actually be? Mm-hmm. How do you create meaning around it? How do you open? What should the invitation say? Mm-hmm. Who should actually be there? And then how do you close? Um, mm-hmm. It's not rocket science. Yeah. It just yeah. it's intention. Wow. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Again, that was Priya Parker, the author of The Art of Gathering, How We Meet and Why It Matters. You can learn more at morningpersonnewsletter.com. And I'll see you here next Tuesday.